economics is the study of human choice in the world we live. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By investigating faith in economics, we can learn how they lead to human flourishing. This is the Faith in Economics podcast, a presentation of the Gortney Institute at Ottawa University. Welcome to our show today. I'm Luke Graham, producer and graduate assistant for the Gordon Institute. With us, we have Dr. Russ McCullough, the founder of the Gordon Institute and Wayne Angel Chair of Economics. We have Dr. Justin Clark, the Menard Family Professor of Philosophy and Ethics. We have Dr. Peter Jacobson, the Gordon Professor of Economic Education and Research. And finally, graduate assistant-elect, Lawson Medlin. All right, so we uh, have had a tipping episode on our mind for a while, and today's the day. Um, as economists, uh, we want to not over tip, but not under tip. And so we are very transactional in nature and merit based. And so uh, it brings up a lot of different things. I think COVID has kind of um, changed tipping in a way that that uh, is worth talking about, too. Uh, I, I think I see a lot of different behavior than I did in, at other times. So, uh, Peter, you want to lead us into this? Sure. Um, so this is kind of a, an interesting topic where that people don't think a whole lot about uh, until maybe like they travel abroad. And so in the United States, we have a pretty robust uh, system of assumed tipping, especially at restaurants with food service bars. It's very common to, uh, you know, if someone drives you somewhere, oftentimes people tip Uber drivers or whatever, uh, food delivery. Uh, so there's these few industries out there uh, where the workers are paid uh, kind of at the customer's discretion, which is a weird sort of system. And, you know, we've got all sorts of laws in place uh, that make the restaurant industry different. And so in a lot of states, uh, you don't have to pay the minimum wage to your, for example, waiters and waitresses, uh, unless they get less in tips than what the minimum wage is. And so if you get, you know, uh, $6 in tips and uh, your boss pays you $1 an hour and that gets you up to seven, but the state minimum wage is eight, then you might have to pay them one extra dollar or something like that. So there's some minimum bar out there, but we've got kind of this weird system where every other industry, uh, it's not like Walmart could implement uh, tipping for cashiers. Uh, the, the government wouldn't be okay with this. So there's this interesting question of why do we tip? And then why do other countries not tip, which is, I think, an even harder question, but uh, one way you can think about tipping is this, uh, and it can kind of like maybe be a springboard for the rest of our conversation, is that in theory, there's like wages and tips at which restaurants would be indifferent between them, ignoring some important considerations. What I mean by that is this. If you go to a restaurant and you are not expected to tip, you are going to be willing to buy more expensive meals, right? So if you are at a no tipping restaurant, you might be willing to add four or five dollars to your restaurant bill. That is if people thought like economists. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, or, which they do uh, because everyone's perfectly rational. And so uh, in, in theory, this is possible. But there's a reason we don't do this, uh, which I'll get to in a second. But the point is, there's some, uh, you know, and what the restaurant owners could do is they could then pay their waiter, waiters and waitresses more and they could pay them whatever the average tip would have been. Right. And then things would be exactly the same. The restaurant would get the same amount of revenue in, the waiter and waitress would go home on average with the same amounts uh, every night, and there'd be no tipping. And so this is really weird. You would ask then, like, why do we have the tipping system? Why not always do wages? Or why don't we do the tipping system? Why don't we do it, you know, at Walmart that everything's a little bit cheaper, the workers are paid less, and they get tipped? Uh, why not have it there? And the answer for that economists come to is it's something like 
tipping is a system to uh, kind of outsource worker monitoring to the worker themselves. And so it's really hard to tell if someone's putting in a good effort in a lot of industries. And one industry where that's very common is the food service industry, because good effort in the food service industry looks something like having a smile on your face, being kind, you know, trying to give your best, you know, options, that sort of thing. And a manager cannot go to every single table every single night and watch their waiter and waitress interact with every single person. You know, if you're at a bank and you're doing a job, you're like a credit analyst, your boss is in the office down the hall, they could just walk and look at everybody and walk back. Realistically, you can't do that with every table in the restaurant industry. And so what do restaurants do? Well, what they do is they allow the customer to have some sort of input on how much pay the waiter or waitress should receive based at least on part uh, on their efforts. So if you have a really bad waiter or waitress who comes to you once during the whole night to get your food over order and never comes back, uh, you can kind of punish that person by giving them a, a really low tip or no tip at all. Uh, whereas if you have one that's like way, you know, went way above and beyond, you know, very kind, always checking in on you. Uh, maybe like you wanted to order something and they said, oh no, actually that one's not very good. Let me give you an alternative, you know, things like that. Uh, then you can pay that person more. And so this kind of outsources the responsibility of monitoring. And this explains why, you know, Walmart's not going to have tipping, but restaurants are. Because uh, maybe people don't care if their cashier is like happy and has a smile on their face at Walmart. Maybe that doesn't ruin your day if your cashier just does your things and says, has a good day, have a good day and lets you out. Uh, and the manager can look on the camera and make sure they didn't leave their station. And that's the end of it. And so this is kind of the explanation for why. Uh, we have tipping, but I think Justin, uh, actually having worked in food service in like a real sense, uh, I know Russ has done some years too, uh, but I haven't really, uh, I, I could catered. That's the most that I've done in terms of food service. And technically we weren't allowed to take tips. We did it anyways, but you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so Justin, do you, what, what are your thoughts on my economic theory? Is this all bunk? Do you, uh, think that there's some support for this or what, what's your take on all this? Uh, as usual, well, it's mostly bunk. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I also think that, I mean, one thing that I don't think you mentioned, but I think that the practice of tipping um, really reinforces, and I think you see this um, at a difference between like an American or European restaurant, is that the practice of tipping really reinforces that the server is the diner's employee, like the person who is actually uh, dining and not just the employee of uh, the restaurant. Right. And this is what you see. Uh, you, this is what great service is, right? It's um, uh, great service is being present when somebody needs you and being invisible otherwise, right? Um, and uh, you know, I've worked at a lot of restaurants, probably like 20 years and some some very bad restaurants, some very good restaurants. Um, I've also worked at places where I was setting up a buffet where, you know, you weren't being tipped and you, you behave differently. Um, and uh, so one thing I just also want to point out is that most people, I think, um, recognize that in America, the restaurant sector is very, very vibrant and very quick moving. And uh, restaurants that are unsuccessful tend to fail. Um, and it has one of the highest turnover rates in uh, of any industry. And I think that that's the mark of a well-functioning industry, yes. um, that any individual firm um, can fail very quickly. Um, so one thing I just want to 
I would just want to point out is that when we show that there are these differences between maybe the American restaurant uh, economy and the European restaurant economy, um, I think that the American restaurant economy as a whole uh, or sector is stronger precisely because each of these individual firms is more prone to failure. Yeah, so Peter was bringing up uh, what economists call the principal agent problem as one of the drivers. And yeah, you bring up an interesting contrast to that, Justin, with uh, having the diner. And I'd love to know the history of how which one dominated early on. I, I tend to think Justin's probably right that maybe the American way evolved more that way as time went on. But I, I don't know for sure. Um, so the principal agent problem is just where the the principal would be the employer and the uh, agent is the employee and ideally an employer wants to find an employee that behaves the way they would behave right so uh, in terms of treating the customer well or for repeat business blah 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 and so um, the problem is is when it's not monitored as Peter was saying or when it's difficult to monitor then we have what's called shirking or people not doing their fair share of the work or the right thing, saying the right things, doing the right things. And so um, over time, the principal agent problem could be overcome with cameras <clears throat> to some degree has. Uh, in the bartending business, especially, it was not too hard. I was a bartender way back when. And um, I think my uh, partner, I, I didn't do this willfully, but all of a sudden we, we were earning like some major tips. And so mostly cash business. And so you kind of go up to the cash register and your fingers move, but you're not actually pressing the button and the drawer opens and the $4 drink just goes all into the tip jar, right? And so all of a sudden you can have a, a pretty nice tip share at the end if you either think that you justly deserve it or you're just a thief or whatever the case is. Um, that is a principal agent problem. That, that was uh, really directly stealing in that case. And so innovation through cameras and other monitoring. Uh, I know there was a, another system in the bar business with heavy pours. So basically, uh, you're supposed to do give a three count for a shot, and your buddy comes up and you just hold that bottle there for a six count or a nine count, and then charge them the, the one shot price for a three shot drink. And so another innovation that came about was a third party company would come and weigh the bottles to see, check the inventory. And it was a way to uh, uh, keep the bartenders honest. And then there's poor measurers and all of these things are really trying to overcome in general, the principal yeah. agent. Problem. Now I do want to highlight, these are actually two very different types of principal agent problems. And so that one, shirking is one, which Russ brought up. That type of uh, principal agent problem, I would uh, classify as like an opportunism problem. And actually, a tipping system would exacerbate that problem. And so uh, one of the interesting things is like if you have a tipping system and bartenders can, you know, kind of like choose the count of how long they put alcohol in there, uh, they might think, hey, I'm going to get better tips if I use more alcohol than I should. Right. And so actually giving like a take a the tipping system is interesting uh, because it can it can get rid of shirking, but it could actually enhance like opportunism on the part of people involved. And so there's kind of this interesting tension uh, back and forth here. But yeah, um, I, I think it is both, definitely. <clears throat> and, you know, we can think of uh, like other examples where like restaurants, uh, like chefs in restaurants might not want you uh, to say like, oh, this particular dish is really bad. But actually the owner of the restaurant kind of wants the restaurant to be known as a thing that like is transparent about whether or not food is good, because maybe that's like the best possible thing. And so having those waiters and waitresses doing what Justin like 
mentions, which is, you know, telling uh, the customer the inside information, letting them know those things. Maybe that is worth sort of like that, the, oh, this is a place with a bad, you know, shrimp dish, but it's also a place that's honest, right? And so there's kind of these tensions about, uh, you know, the waiter and waitress. And the, ho the hope, I think, is that the tipping system uh, kind of overcomes these tensions, uh, fixes things. I've got one short little story to share on tipping that <laughs> always comes to mind for me. So uh, I worked at a bar <clears throat> that um, when I started there, I was actually a waiter, but really I turned into a cocktail uh, waitress, more or less. I, I say that because all the other people I worked with were female and uh, I'd get these burly guys in. It was kind of a um, blue collar type bar. And uh, the place was jam-packed. It was a popular place called Serums. And uh, the guys, I'd, I'd get them their drinks and, and they'd say, gosh, I wasn't planning on tipping you, but this is the best service I've had the whole night. And so I would bust my tail like three times as hard uh, to make some good tips. And I did, uh, whereas the other um, wait staff would, would kind of just have it coming. And some of them were great too, don't get me wrong, but uh, I had to work extra hard to get the, the blue collar guys to tip me good. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, so I do think there is this this other side of tipping, which people can be uh, opposed to or in favor of. I don't care either way how people feel about this. Uh, I, I think there's good arguments for both. Part of the tipping system is, though, um, that it sort of allows employers to discriminate uh, in, to match consumer preferences without them actually being the ones doing it. And so here's what I mean. Mm, Let's mm -hmm. say that people do track, uh, do uh, tip attractive girls more. Let's say that's true. Uh, you hear this frequently. Russ's story is an example of this. Uh, doesn't seem crazy. <laughs> there's entire restaurants dead. <laughs> there's entire restaurants dedicated to this sort of thing. Actually, uh, you know their names. Yeah. Um, and so let's say that's true. Now, if employers directly say, "Sorry, we're only hiring attractive women," they've broken the law, and so they can't do that. So another thing that they could do instead is they could create a system where uh, the customer's preferred type of waiter or waitress uh, is the one who gets paid the most. And the system that they introduced to do that is tipping, right? And so by having a tipping system, uh, if it's true that customers are willing to pay more to have like an attractive waitress or something like that, uh, then they're gonna show that with their tips. And people aren't stupid. They know that going into the food service industry. And so like, you know, you're not going to see like a, a teenage guy with acne applying for a job at Hooters. Like he just won't. It's it's and, you know, they, there have been a few lawsuits about people kind of playing this game of, oh, they won't hire me at Hooters. This isn't fair. Like there has been a few of those, but there's actually been surprisingly few given how many restaurants are out there staffed by like just, you know, some st like stereotypical, stereotypical attractive women in Hooters like surprisingly few lawsuits why well because like people kind of know that that's the gig and people don't want like imagine you are that like teenage guy who gets the job at hooters and then you wait on a table like that table is not gonna like you <laughs> uh so there is sort there is this uh you could call it a dark side if you're bothered by this sort of thing um you know that that's kind of at this point we're getting into grayer territory but uh you know that's the other side of tipping we'll say yeah, no, which i i don't think is dominant by the way i still think the other because it's across an entire industry so i don't think you know uh it can't explain another reason i can't explain it is like we don't do this at walmart right like maybe people prefer attractive cashiers too but apparently not enough that they're like walmart's going to implement this tipping system to filter out like you know people who would be considered unattractive 
Uh, so I don't think that could be the primary explainer behind tipping, but it definitely plays a role. Uh, and in certain restaurants, uh, it absolutely is the primary thing. Yeah, so this looks like a good spot for a break. When we come back, I want to talk more about that, where tipping has seems to be an expanded into items. You said Walmart, yeah. but I think there has been some yes. expansion into that, which is... Um, a little interesting. And then also uh, hit this uh, other countries around the world thing and, and maybe explore some of the ways they're different. All right, we'll be back in just a bit. If you're a high school student interested in earning some college credit, we have an online microeconomics class for motivated high school students seeking to earn early college credit. It's affordable, flexible, and layered with support. Our new online microeconomics course is optimized for dual credit and will increase your students' college readiness. Contact Peter or Justin or Russ today. The Gordy Institute at Ottawa University is the best place in the Midwest for students interested in freedom and justice and its impact on human flourishing. Please support our many programs that we have here at the Gordy Institute. I just got back from Guatemala with some college students and we distributed coloring books that had highlighted uh, interesting aspects of economic freedom for not only the kids, but for their parents. Uh, we also have PPE League starting up and some high school programs. If you want to continue to support the spread of good economics across our nation. Please help support the Gorton Institute. Okay, so we're back uh, to hit this tipping. We got lots of other areas to explore. And uh, I think, you know, is there some sort of moral obligation? Um, I tend to be able to get over my guilt factor. Um, while I'm sitting at the table, I feel a little guilty, but as soon as I'm out in the fresh air, it's like, uh, it's just washed away like miraculously. So. Uh, Justin, how bad of a person am I for for either undercutting or or possibly not tipping at all? Uh, I think you're a bad person if you don't tip, especially at a um, at a classic restaurant where you have a server that's devoted to actually taking your order, that kind of thing. Now, um, let, let me explain why. Um, you know, I actually don't think you're a bad person, but I do think it is well, immoral. I, I was devil's advocate listeners. Yeah. I, I was just throwing that one out for a little humor to get us started. So, uh, so I, I do think, though, it is um, you are morally required to tip at a restaurant where um, you have a server and, and tipping is, is expected. Right. And, and the reason is something that Peter said earlier um, is that. Servers at those restaurants, usually, I know when I was um, working in grad school, I think the hourly wage for a server was like $2.13. Um, and then you actually end up not even seeing that on your check because you get paid primarily in tips. Now, um, so that that just goes to show that it's, it is understood socially that your pay is coming from tips, right? And that is the, the service that you're rendering. Now, um, I'll talk a, a tiny bit about moral theory. So Immanuel Kant famously, his uh, he had this theory that um, we always, and this is Kant's words, not mine, these are Kant's words, we always ought to act in such a manner that the motive um, uh, behind our act is universalizable. This is Kant's like pr principle of universalizability, that um, we ought to be able to get the thing that we want um, in a world where everybody acted the way we do, right? Um, and so he famously said, use this example, like as to why like not paying back your debts is immoral, 
He said, if everybody didn't pay back, if most people didn't pay back their debts, um, if everybody always took debts out with no intention of repaying them, then would you be able to get a loan in that kind of world? And he goes, no, of course you wouldn't, right? So that's why not paying your debts is immoral because what you're doing in that, in that uh, situation is you're kind of depending on everybody else to uh, do one thing and then making an exception of yourself to take advantage of the fact that everybody else is following this rule, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I tend to think that that's what happens um, when people uh, stiff servers in a restaurant where uh, tipping is expected, right? Because if everybody did that, you wouldn't be able to get the kind of service that you're getting. Um, you are making an exception of yourself and you are, it's, it's essentially, you know, if, if uh, like a version of free riding almost. Um, and so that's why I think that especially, you know, in these paradigm cases where, um, you know, it's a traditional restaurant, you have a server, um, tipping is expected, um, I think you're morally obligated to tip in that situation for those Kantian reasons. But um, maybe, Russ, you want to talk about some other situations or you can press back on me, too. <clears throat> um, no, I, I think I, I'm with you on that. That's where I always, uh, at least in my younger days, my minimum threshold for awful service, I'd still give them 10 percent. It was very rare. I think when I was you know, maybe 18 or 19 and didn't care much about anything in the world except myself, I, I might have stiffed a really bad server because I felt like I wanted to send a message like you really messed up. But, um, you know, so I think you're right. Uh, and but I think part of that social, I guess the pushback might be if you really, truly got super awful service, um, that's part of the social contract, too, is that you should have gotten at least some minimum level of of service to get to the whatever that social minimum, which is another area I wanted to bring up of 15%, uh, or is it 18 now because of inflation? Well, or is so, it 20? <laughs> so I, I guess I'm going to play like a little bit uh, kind of towards what you were saying though, Russ, in that like, it, it would be weird to have like such a common minimum. And so what I mean by that is like, if 20% is our minimum, then most people should be actually tipping like more than 20% for most services. Like, if it's the case that tipping is at least somewhat to reward successful effort, you should expect some above and below average effort. And so I think, my. by the way, I don't think I've ever tipped less than 20%. As long as I've been alive, that's been the norm. That's what I was told by friends in high school. And so I'm, I don't think I've ever tipped less than 20%. But I can see uh, cases where like a 10 or 15% to like respond to this was the worst service I've ever had, that sort of thing. That almost seems like appropriate to me. It almost seems like it almost seems supportive of the system itself, where actually if like it becomes the case that everybody receives the standard 20 percent, no matter what, then the system itself actually seems to lose like we should just add the 20 percent to people's wages is basically what I'm saying. Like if it's always 20 percent, no matter what, it has nothing to do with effort, then there's actually no value to the system anymore, apart rewarding, you know, above and beyond the 20 percent, which case our new floor should be servers would get paid more money uh and so like we just tip those who are like extra good like three percent uh because the 20 percent's already added into their paycheck or something like that and so i don't know i i think there at least in theory are probably cases where someone deserves less than what we generally socially give to like the average waiter or waitress 
but I do think it needs to be rare. And so, uh, and you know, there's a reason I haven't done it personally is because I've never received that really bad service that I think merits it. Uh, anytime I've received bad service, it's like, I look around and it's like, okay, that makes sense why service is not great tonight, that sort of thing, so. It, to be clear, when I said, I think you have a moral obligation to tip, it was in normal circumstances when yeah. you're getting normal uh, yeah. or, you know, at least successful service, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think nothing I, that I, is- I agree with you, or, or even service that makes sense given that like, if you go out on a Saturday night uh, to a sports bar, like you should expect worse service and get over it. Like, that's my opinion about it uh, because you chose to go when you went. Uh, and so, yeah, service commensurate with what you would expect, which is obviously there's no clear answer of what that looks like. But yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think we all agree with that, that like under normal circumstances, uh, tipping should be expected and people should make fun of you or call you a jerk if you don't tip, uh, which is really the enforcement mechanism of society is like you go on a date, and you don't tip and your date thinks you're a bad person because you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh... In 2019, I had to Google this really quick. Because I didn't know we got off of the norm of fifteen percent. I don't go out that often. I didn't. I didn't feel that socially. I normally tip about twenty percent, but uh, it said about. Um, and th there's a whole bunch of comments from all over the place. But about twenty years ago, so around the two thousands, which probably puts it closer to Peter's age. And it, it says it varies from region to region too. But it, but fifteen percent was the absolute <clears throat> kind of norm for sure when I was little and growing up and yeah. into my 30s even even um, when i was little my parents did 15 percent. i remember that yeah, yeah yeah so i i honestly didn't even know that we got to that level so um so um how much has the guilt factor tip factor been shaped by covid where restaurants were all of a sudden gone and we have all these to-go orders and um pickup orders and um, and then other services <clears throat> where people were looking for odds and ends jobs, working at the farmer's market, selling their wares, whatever. And so you pull out your, uh, maybe your square uh, device, uh, what, what do you call that? The square D thing for the Apple devices to pay, pay on the spot at the farmer's market or something. Well, all of these devices now have it pre-programmed. And I did learn that it was, or my understanding is, it is the owner's option of yes. whether they have the tip uh, presented to the consumer or not. So we see a number of these retail establishments, which isn't too far off from, let's say, Walmart, but I'm thinking yeah. farmer's market or other coffee shops, uh, coffee shops and small, shops. Uh, small places on Main Street and whatever, where the tip on the debit card or credit card becomes automatic and it's 18, 20 or uh, 25. And <clears throat> so... I don't know about you, but if I just went and got an ice cream cone and somebody behind the counter did ice cream, and maybe it's because I'm 51 years old, but I'm not tipping. And I don't even feel bad about it, but I, I feel slightly bad because maybe the social institutions that like it's prompting me, right? So that little that little nudge um, does add a little tiny guilt factor, but at the same time, I still say no tip and I I write it off. I just, I don't like, is, is that my personal belief or am I just a curmudgeon now? I, I don't know. So Luke? Uh, could it be uh, what we've talked about in classes before, the uh, owner trying to capture that extra amount of value that the consumer is willing to give up but doesn't actually charge? <clears throat> A little bit of the consumer surplus. Yeah. I think that would totally be relevant for mom and pop, uh, Maggie's Ice Cream, Maggie's on Main Street or, you know, small retail shop on Main Street, nowhere, Kansas, um, that the the consumer is able to or the um, seller is able to capture a little more consumer surplus they sold something for 
$12, they would have spent more and they're willing to add in some sort of tip accordingly. Yeah, no, I'm curious where Justin stands on this because my view on this is basically the same as Russ. I think there's a couple exceptions to like things that I started to tip on that, but like the coffee shop is my example. Uh, I don't think I should tip in a coffee shop. It doesn't make sense to me why I would be tipping now. And as a society, we didn't tip before. I don't understand what's changed such that tips have like suddenly earned merit in those places. And so I tend to not. I will say, though, I did once and like Haley knew the person. And it's like, <laughs> I, I didn't tip and she was like, she would bother me. She was like mad at me about it. I'm like, but why? Why? Why would we like the whole extra social pressure? Like, all all of the, all of you know that it doesn't seem to make any sense to me why we've started tipping in like these industries that aren't like uh, you know traditional restaurants. So Justin, uh, am I a bad person now? Uh, or uh, <laughs> the economists are getting pummeled on this episode. Oh no! What what what's what are your thought about these like new norms? About uh, Russ also mentioned pickup. Pickup's another situation where I don't feel like I should have to tip someone if I'm yeah. picking up the food. Like yeah. the food cost seems to be the food cost. <laughs> Cost. And if I'm doing the pickup, I, I, I should tip myself. I don't know. It seems like I'm the one putting in the, the which work. I'm actually doing is the way I think of it. Yeah, I, I spent my gas to go get it. And, and so I, I'm, I'm willing to, to, as long as I get the trade off of I don't have to tip, but I use my own gas and time to get there. Yeah, I'm that seems there. like a fair shake to me. But maybe we're just bad people. Yeah, could be Justin. Well, uh, I think you said it yourself when you talked about these new norms, right? Um, so if it is the norm, then I think that you are free riding on it. And um, uh, so like, for instance, I tip, um, there's a Chinese restaurant that I go pick up takeout from in Lawrence, you know, and uh, it's not like the service is great. They're so busy. You just get yelled at, right. And hand, <laughs> hand your food, um, but they do great business. And so I'll, I'll tip them 15%. Um, that's not, that's like well below what I would tip a server. I I'm actually a, pretty heavy tipper when we go out to restaurants um but uh so i would tip somebody like a barista or um, somebody who's doing like cashier work if there's a spot for a tip uh, that indicates to me that at least part of their salary is supposed to be coming from tips and so i will tip a barista or uh, one of those uh square sections 15 percent um, I'm not going to tip them the you know 25% that I would tip a server at a at a restaurant. Um, but um I also always want to feel like I'm uh like somebody comes out of an interaction with me happier than they're um when they went into it. And yeah, I, you're never gonna see them again. Of course. Yeah. Uh you, you because Okay, no, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so uh, go ahead. Oh. No, no, here, here's where I think you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> and so I, the whole Kantian argument is like, you should act in such a way that like you would be able to sustain your action and sort of like the system in which you're acting in uh, via your action. But I don't want to sustain the current system that exists. I actually want to go back to the old system before 15%. COVID. When, well, no, not 15%. Go I, back further. Go I, back no, further. Uh, I, 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 restaurant tipping is different, but I, I was fine in the world in which like maybe in theory, like the drink prices were higher. And like, even though I'm sure empirically that's not true, but you know, other things equal, the drink prices were higher and people got like higher non-tip wages. I prefer that world. Uh, I don't like 
uh, tipping in all these different industries because uh, honestly, what's happening here is like there are free riders. And so my guess is the average tip is not 20%. My guess is the average tip is like 15 or 14 or 30. And the, not because most people tip that, but because some people tip zero, right? And very few people go like way above 20. And so let's say 20 is your middle. Very few people are tipping 40, but I get my guess is like a decent number of people actually tip zero, like probably at least like 2% of the population. Are you talking even at restaurants? Yeah. I, I'd say as a server, I, that's not true. What about you, Justin? I, I don't think there's a lot of zero people. I had a restaurant giving service or a bartender. I don't think that's true. I it, Usually it'd be a grandpa, grandma throwing out a $1 bill on a 20, but there'd be something, you know, just because in well, their day, Peter said, Peter said 2%. I, I yeah. think maybe that's even a little high. Maybe it's 1%, but one out of a hundred patrons at the bar doesn't, doesn't, uh, you know, leave, um, leave a tip. That seems like, okay. I, I could, yeah, no, think I could that nationally that's an average. That's okay. More like 20% or something to average yeah. out. You're talking about a lot of zeros. Well, what, what I'm saying is I think there's more zeros than there are people tipping double. So let's, okay. let's, and if that's the case, then the average is actually below like the societal norm or whatever, which means if I'm doing the societal norm, I'm actually supporting free riders. Uh, and I'm OK with doing that in a limited sense, but I don't want every industry to be an industry in which like part of the wage is delivered by tips because I don't want to support free riders with every single transaction in my life. Like I know uh, if we expand tipping to Walmart and we expand tipping to uh you know all these different things basically uh in theory what's happening is i'm paying less for the product itself and more to the person working there but actually if i tip more than the average person the increase that i'm paying in terms of the tip is actually going to outweigh the decrease in the product price because some people aren't tipping right and so for me this is actually a system that's like personally damaging to me and in some instances i'm willing to accept it when like uh, the benefit outweighs the cost. And so like in, I prefer to work in a restaurant industry where, or consume in a restaurant industry where waiters and waitresses care about their customers. And so I'm willing to take the hit in those industries. Uh, but in industries where there's no clear benefit and the only uh, reason that we've instituted the tipping is because like the employer wants to push that decision off to more consumers. In those instances, I think I'm just purely subsidizing like greedy people. I think that's what's happening. And so I don't like the system and I'd rather the system not exist. Yeah. And I guess becoming the greedy person maybe is not like the best solution, <laughs> but I also don't want the solution to be like, okay, we'll just tip everyone. And I'm just going to subsidize all these greedy people who never right. tip anybody. Right. But I think that if that argument works, it should also work for the same people who say things like, I like in Europe that, you know, we don't have to worry about tipping and I don't like the system in America where we have to do tipping. So I'm not going to tip. Well, so I think that's like to some extent fine uh, to it's fine to prefer. And so I I don't have a qualm with people who say, oh, I prefer the European system. So long as their reason for preferring the European system is I'm willing to take worse service uh, in order to get food. Uh, now that they exist in the American system and like the system as a whole does this, it's like, well, you kind of do have to just like accept it. And I think just at some point you could make the argument you're making about coffee shops the same way. I think we're not there yet though. Like the, the norm is being formed. And currently while the norm is being formed, I want to be an outspoken person of like, let's not accept this new norm where we like basically all subsidize a bunch of freeloaders. And the rallying cry starts uh, with this podcast.
So yeah, I, here's, the, here's the difference between the two industries. Uh, you actually get something different from tipping in the restaurant industry. And so if you look at European service compared to American service, yeah. you're going to get a different product. Also, I wanted to add where they started doing tips included automatically at places. I think that was partly COVID, but some places started doing it pre-COVID too. And I could tell, I mean, I observed these type of things. It, it wasn't as good a service when, when the tip was automatically included. And then you can add more than 18% if you prefer to. Or sometimes, you know, it was it was of the norm that if you had a group, a party of eight or more or something, uh, then the tip was automatically included. Um, and I was fine with that norm. But And you could add more. And by the way, it was 15% at that time. But that, that was an old norm that um, I think still persists in different places today. I think I'm okay with oh. mandatory minimum tips uh, to some extent because it actually works against the whole issue that I have here, which is like, if we're forcing people to tip 20%, at least I'm not subsidizing everybody then. Uh, so I'm kind of like, I'd be wary to like a party of 12 comes in and you know nobody tips. Uh, that's actually gonna like disproportionately impact me as a consumer yeah. uh, as well, if that's pretty regular. <laughs> the prices are gonna go up or the social average tip is gonna go up. So I'm kind of a fan of that sort of thing uh, because I want to remain consistent. Uh, but it, it what the, my big problem is when we're tipping without like tipping being a, a tool for like monitoring. Uh, it seems like the tipping thing that's happening there is like we're just trying to rearrange people's uh, society and their views about things such that like employers can kind of force, uh, you know, more generous patrons to basically donate to their business. Right. Like this is how it I'm is, looking at you're it. You're right. No, I think you're right. you're spot on the way I see it too. That was the point I was going to make was that uh, you basically hit it with just trying to defy the norm before it becomes an actual norm. Because in the last since COVID, I've that's when I've seen the increase of like these these square tablets and the, yeah. kind of the preset tipping. <laughs> and I've never been one to. Uh, a tip at a coffee shop because they're making a, a product that would be made the same way regardless if I tipped. And uh, if I'm tipping someone at a, at a restaurant that's serving me, and usually it's because their service has been good or above above par. And so the tip then seems to me fulfilled. Yeah. Now I will admit, Justin, uh, that if this becomes really societally widespread, I, th I do think you like that eventually the cat becomes out of the bag at some point and like five years down the line if like everybody's tipping 10 percent at coffee shops uh yeah the wages of people who work in coffee shops are going to be lower than they would otherwise would have been and i'm going to tip because i don't want those people to like not get the wages but i just am wary of a system uh that is basically a subsidy to employers yeah it's not as day. efficient in uh, terms of pricing the cat left the bag years ago. The cat is dead. Uh, I think what we've heard from both of you, uh, you know, Russ is talking about he thought the norm was 15%. I think what's clear is that you economists have no idea what the norms are. Uh, no, I, 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 I don't. I don't agree with you. I still think like people I've had this conversation with several people of like, are we supposed to on the pads do the thing? Like, I think the norm is currently being formed still. And I'm I'm willing to at this point try to say no. Uh, at least for as long as like that seems like a possibility. So I don't agree that the norm is 100% there. Uh, and at least for as long as it helps his personal pocketbook. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I actually do tip sometimes on the pad in the coffee shop, but there's not really a rhyme or reason to it. It's kind of like when I ask for receipts. Yeah, like I, I kind of just like answer randomly depending on the time. Like I, sometimes that. I feel like more guilty than other times. Sometimes I'm like, no, screw the system. I want to give you a negative tip. Like... <laughs> 
all this. So my money back negative tip. <laughs> Lawson. On that figure from earlier, it was actually 18% don't tip waiters at all. 18%. Really? Yeah. And uh as as a DoorDash or delivery service for uh tips in that industry, I would say uh that's around like a third. Yeah, so yeah, I believe this this is one thing that I think is really bad right now, where I think people need to be more <laughs> generous. Uh is that I have heard this not just from Lawson, like I've seen a lot of time, like Uber Eats, like these non-restaurant affiliated delivery drivers for some reason don't appear to be like getting tips. Like and maybe it's because like these people are also Uber drivers. And so like it's less common to tip your Uber driver, for example. Like I don't usually tip my uh Uber driver unless it's like a really busy night or something like that. Uh, I tend to think they probably get paid enough. Uh, I could be wrong about that. And I don't use Uber very much. So maybe I'm just off the norm there. But but I think that's a good example of where um the Uber owners might be exploiting this tipping thing to say. You need to tip your Uber drivers to pay them more so that they're so that their baseline rates or, or that it sure. can be distorted. I, I mean, I think you're but, but in right. but in terms of food delivery, I don't think so because we like it does seem to be like the normal thing to tip delivery drivers, right? Outside of Uber. And so like pizza, like my impression is you are supposed to uh tip a pizza delivery person. Sure. And it would be wrong not to morally uh and it's kind of expected, and the person kind of usually uses their own car and maybe they get some but the point is like that's an industry where it's common. So I think like these other things too, like sometimes people carry over their Uber glasses instead of like their delivery driver glasses. Uh, and I think they've carried over the wrong glasses and you should tip like Uber Eats or DoorDash. So tip Lawson lots of money when he delivers to your house. Uh, Peter, do you use uh, Uber Eats or DoorDash? No, I don't. You don't. Okay. So just, I just want to make clear, you do use coffee shops though. So you think that the new places that do ask for tips uh, that you use, you shouldn't have to tip there. But uh, these new services where norms are also being formed, where other people are paying that they should have to tip, right? Sure, sure but uh, I know you're joking too. But my standard is like, compare like to like. And so coffee shops pre-pandemic, coffee shops now, we didn't tip before, we do tip now. Uh, and I don't see any clear reason for it. Whereas with delivery, like to like pizza delivery versus food delivery, uh, I think it makes sense to tip the things that we would otherwise tip. And by the way, I do use pizza delivery and I tip them. And so I, I think like this is uh, like a consistency that I have is like industries that it seems like we've tipped in for a long time. It's it's Lindy, right? Uh, we talked about the Lindy effect in one episode. It's Lindy to tip delivery drivers. It's not Lindy to tip baristas. And I think there's a reason we didn't tip baristas. Uh, and I think uh, Justin is uh, submitting to the Starbucks corporate overlords when he does it. That's all. <laughs> uh, uh, can I say one thing about uh, tipping that we haven't covered? Yeah, that, um, we're at we're at the forty minute mark already on tipping, which I never dreamed we'd get there. But uh, what the heck? Let's roll. Uh, so sometimes when I when I was working at a very nice restaurants, uh, customers would ask us. Um, you know, at the end of the meal, they'd say things like, "Hey, do you guys pool tips?" Um, yes. And, uh, we didn't, um, for a long time. And then, uh, for a while we did with just a little bit of it, you would pull like 5% of your tips or something like that. But whenever you got that question, the answer to that, you knew was that if your answer is yes, we pull tips, your tip amount is going down. Yeah. Right? Um, and I, I think that's a really, um, uh, I think that's a kind of feather in the cap of the tipping system is that people, you know, uh, 
realize, oh, I, I actually do want to reward very good right. service. And if I know that this reward isn't going to the service, then um, I, I'm less inclined to give the reward. And not only service, but, um, you know, in some cases, I hate to call it a relationship, but relationally, you might have talked to them about their hometown or something or whatever. And, and so, yeah, if, if you want to give them a $20 bill, but the 20 is going to be split among 20 other people, it kind of defeats the purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think we're in semi-agreement, though. Uh, I think Justin and I still have, and Russ, have our disagreement with uh, new systems of tipping. But overall, uh, I think the the moral of the story is uh, we're all very generous people and we deserve to pat ourselves on the back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, I had the conclusion before the episode, too. So, no, no. Uh, yeah, the, and Justin, you've made a, a good point on the tipping and uh non-traditional uh, spaces i think it's worth consideration so doesn't the guartney institute have a tip jar yeah that's right we do so uh this looks like a good and, place to wrap and, and i would not <laughs> uh, for the record uh, <laughs> i'd like to thank you all for listening to this podcast has been a production of the guartney institute here at ottawa university and we have a little tip jar button on our website. We and call and it you the, should. The donor page, <laughs> yeah. uh, the donate button. And uh, so if you like what you hear and and the other things we do uh, here at the university, we appreciate your support. So other than that, be fruitful and multiply. Thanks. Mm -hmm.